Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise hallelujah, the Lord. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank Brother Cole for those kind remarks. I do appreciate my heritage. I uh, remarked to Brother Cole how long I had been around this, and I have seen the United Pentecostal Church come from the ashes of division to the place that it is today. And I just happened, Brother Cole, to have one of the first we didn't get name cards and register like we used to, but this is what they used to give us when we went to General Conference. I recognize you. The date on it is 1940. It's been in my Bible all these years. Every time I look at it, I think of heritage. I have been privileged to be in a lot of places that a lot of men have not been. I drove my dad around the day before the two organizations, the Pentecostal Church Incorporated and the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ, came together. He said, son, I want you to go and drive the car for me. We went by and picked up Brother Harry Branding, 13th and Gravoy. Went by and got Brother Howard Goss and Elder W.T. Witherspoon. Brother Goss was the general superintendent of the Pentecostal Church Incorporated. Brother Witherspoon was the superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ. And they didn't want anybody to know they were together, so we just drove. I listened to Brother Branding pour out his heart that we preach the same thing. We believe the same thing. Therefore, we ought to be together. And I listened to my dad talk to Brother Witherspoon, who at first was not really for this coming together. Brother Goss was not really for it. But for about three hours, I listened as the presence of God chipped away at the wall that divided us. The next day, we went into our respective conferences in St. Louis, Missouri. And when those conventions came together, we was at Whiteway Tabernacle. Pentecostal Church Incorporated was at 13th and Gravoy. And I never will forget when the resolution came to the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ that we have a joint meeting with the other organization. And then the next day, I saw it formed. It was called the United Pentecostal Church. That's the day we moved into Keele Auditorium. Oh, Brother B.H. Hyatt, who's gone on to his reward. Brother Branding is gone. My dad is gone. But I remember old Brother Hyatt taking his hand and said, United. United. That word still stands so real. It sounds so good. 
united Pentecostal church. That first night of the first international convention of the United Pentecostal Church, my old dad went to the pulpit to preach that first message. I have a copy of his notes. He preached that night God's way out. I won't ever forget it. And from that to what we are now. But I'll never get away from the way it sounds. United. United. Everybody say that word. United. My heritage. God keep us together. God keep us together. I believe the same spirit that chipped away the walls that divided us in the beginning can destroy the defenses that try to divide us today. United. Pentecostal church. I'm glad that I'm a part of it. I'm glad that you let me be a part of it. Brother Cole, I appreciate this church. I appreciate this section. Brother David Meyer called me and told me he couldn't be here tonight. Our district youth president, a great man. And I appreciate him and the work that he's done. All of you that are here, I covet your prayer. I'm not here for earthly gain. I don't need your money. I'm not saying that as a smart aleck. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to gain the favor of men. But I believe that it is ordained of God that I be in this place tonight. I feel a a very, very unusual spirit. I started to tell Brother Cole I need to stay through Sunday night. That's good. There's about three things I'd love to preach to you. But I can only use one of them tonight, and it's the one that I feel that God would have me bring to you. I want you to be in prayer. I probably won't ever get to come back to Beaumont. You say, oh, Brother Foss, you'll be back. I'll be racing the rapture if I get back. And if the rapture gets here before I do, I want to be able to tell God, I preached what you gave me. I gave them my heart. And I trust tonight that before you come to an opinion, honor the Lord and honor Brother Foss and hear the conclusion of the whole matter. 
do you really want God to talk to you? Really? You that have your Bibles, turn with me to the book. Book of First Kings, and I'd like to read a reading that was in a Sunday school lesson not long ago, and it's familiar to you. And I shall read out of First Kings chapter three, verses sixteen through twenty-seven. We will go from there to Galatians chapter 4 and read verse 26. Notice the reading of the word of the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. I was delivered of a child with her in the house. It came to pass the third day after I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. This woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me. And while thy handmaiden slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. When I rose in the morning To give my child suck, behold, it was dead. And I considered it in the morning. Behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. The other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No. But the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. And the other saith, Nay, but the son, thy son is dead, and my son is living. The king said, Bring me a sword. They brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman, whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O Lord, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it 
But the other said, Let it be, neither be mine or thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it, for she is the mother thereof. Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to pick up verse 26. Very short, but listen to it. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. But Jerusalem, talking about two systems, law and grace, they cannot coexist. And the summary of the apostle to the Galatians said, But Jerusalem, referring to what happened at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the church which is above, is free. Jerusalem is free, which is the mother of us all. I'm going to use for a subject tonight, and I don't know how that this is going to work in a youth rally, but that's not for me to ask. He simply said for me to preach it to you. And I want to use for a subject simply Mother do you care? And as a generation that is ahead of you I suppose that I am preaching somewhat of an apology. Not negative. Very positive. But an apology. And I want to answer the question for our young people tonight. Yes. Your mother cares. Praise God. Hallelujah. So as I pray tonight, I respectfully dedicate this to you. Mother, do you care? Our Lord, take the message that you've given to me in my heart. And I have simply scribbled these things down on a piece of paper. But I'm asking you to take them and anoint them. And allow me the liberty to stand between the living and the dead that I might break the bread of life. Keep us near you. Open our heart. Open our minds. We ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.
You may be seated. I suppose one of the things that really started me to thinking in this area when your section had its sectional conference in Moss Hill a few weeks ago Our former general superintendent of years gone by called me and said, Brother Foss, we're having conference here today, and I'd like for you to come over. I want to talk to you. That was my purpose for being there. And as soon as lunch was finished, he asked me, would you come to the house And I went over to the home of that old warrior. Going in a wheelchair, wrinkled face, gray hair. And I can remember when under his administration we bought the land that is now our campground. That first day, I took six men out of our church that I was pastoring right there close to the campground, and we went up and cut. Those men worked in the woods, and we cut a big enough area out of that thicket where we could put a tent. I've always honored our elders ahead of us. because I really wouldn't be anything if I am anything but what somebody paved the way before me. I went into that house and he reached and got an old... I started to bring it tonight, but I started... He reached and picked up an old briefcase. It's the black is worn off of it. The handles are broken. And he set it on his bed. And he said, I don't have a son. anybody to give this to. But he's always called me Brother Orlin Ray. One of the first revivals I ever preached in my life. Second, third meeting that I ever preached was at Moss Hill. And he said, but I want to give you this. And in that briefcase is his old worn out Bible. Every letter that he ever received while he was district superintendent from any of the preachers, any action of a district board, is all in that briefcase. 
And I felt so, so unworthy to pick it up. Because I felt like one generation was giving what little it had to another generation. And I have that briefcase that stays in my bedroom where every morning when I pray, there it is, there's my dad's old Bible laying right there by it. I believe that we're what we are because somebody cared. Hallelujah. I want to be able to give something to the generation that follows me. If the Lord tarries. If He don't, I want to give something to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I begin to think about caring. Mother, do you care? And bear with me while I lay a foundation here for a little while. But the role of motherhood has undergone many changes in the last few years. There was a time when a woman married. Now, I'm, I'm treading on dangerous areas right here because I'm going to transgress some of you. But before you form a conclusion, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. All right? There was a day when a woman became a mother. There were certain responsibilities that automatically she assumed. I know that the necessity of this age dictates a lot of things that we do. And regardless of the pressure that's brought to us from the exterior, it still remains fact. Motherhood is not what it used to be. Now, I knew you wouldn't want to shout about that. But it hasn't been too many years ago there was no such thing as a nursery. Not even in our Pentecostal churches. Hey, there was no nurseries when I was growing up. And I think what worked on me probably would work on yours. Be careful now. Don't form an opinion yet. A few years ago, mothers would not have thought about letting somebody else 
raise their children. But because of the pressure and the necessity that we live in the lifestyle that we live, the mothers today have assumed another role. We work on, you work on jobs, and I'm not against that. I'm just pointing out some things to you. You leave your children with somebody in the church, or you take them to a daycare center, and you go back and you pick them up about nine hours later. Many of them are still asleep when you take them there. Those children are given peanut butter sandwiches. They are taken care of, I suppose, as well as anybody would take care of a child that wasn't its own. And then you pick it up about 5.30. You're weary. You're tired. Your husband is tired. You've worked all day. And for about three or four hours, you've got the kids at home. And then it's bedtime. The role of a motherhood. Babysitters have come into play. We all think about babysitters. We hire them. We pay them. But it used to be if the kids couldn't go, Mama didn't go. Hey, just fasten your seatbelts. We're going to get off the ground here in a little while. for that. And there again, it's the lifestyle, it's the society, the culture that we live in that has caused us to accept these changes. that you read about now that you used to not hear so much about is foster parents. And there is a dire need for foster parents today. They pay you to open your home to children. It's a noble thing. But used to, there wasn't any such thing. Very, very few Never have you heard so much of deserted babies as you're hearing today. It may shock you just a little bit, but the county that I live in alone last year had better than 5,000 
deserted babies, born out of wedlock. Nobody wanted them. Nobody cared. Simply unwanted. There is no way of knowing how many abortions I received a phone call. Young girl in a phone booth. Somehow she knew me from somewhere around, maybe Beaumont. I don't know. Brother Foss, and I could tell she was weeping uncontrollably. She had moved to our city, lived with a man. Hey, that's not strange. Eighty percent of the co-eds in Houston, that's college kids, girls, that live in Houston, away from home, are cohabitating with a man, unmarried. Eighty percent. Became pregnant. Didn't know what to do or where to go. And she was sitting on the side of the road. And a man stopped and picked her up. She lived with him about a week, two weeks. I'm talking about a Pentecostal girl. And when she called me, she refused to tell me. And it haunts me in the night who she was. She said, I think I'm dying, and I want you to pray. Now, I'm going to preach plain to you, but you're an adult audience, and hey, I can't get any plainer than what's on the walls in the restrooms and what your kids hear out in the school. Don't form an opinion till I get through. All right? She said, Brother Foss, he convinced me that he could perform. An abortion with a coat hanger. And she said, I am bleeding to death. And I asked her, I said, honey, tell me where you are. My wife got on the extension and she said, just tell us where you are. We'll come to you. We'll get you. I'll take you to the hospital. I'll pay the bill. I'll do whatever. That needs to be done. Just tell me. No. No. Just pray. About 15 minutes she called back. Brother Voss, nobody loves me. And I'm dying. And I tried to keep her on the phone. And I heard that little darling, 15 years old, I heard her getting weaker and weaker. Finally, she just, as far as I could tell, fell wherever she was. 
I tried to get her to describe where she was. I thought I knew. We jumped in the car. We went to that place. I circled every phone booth I could find. I called the hospitals. I don't know whatever happened. But I don't have a way of knowing how many unwanted children are destroyed every year. A few days ago, somebody left the little baby girl on the steps of one of the churches in our city. And it simply said, it come out in the paper, it simply said, a note in there, unwanted, maybe you care. Hey, I don't know about you, but that done something to me. One of the boys in our church, supervisor for the paramedics in our city, only two of those men over all of the ambulances in our city. They received a call. And he said, Brother Foss, these boys were walking down the street and a car passed and there was a bunch of rubbish and trash that was thrown out there on a certain place on the side of the street. You see it here in your area. And he said, This car threw a sack out and it hit there in this garbage and they was walking said when we got there we saw that the bag moved and the boys looked and it was a little baby boy and he was about two and a half hours old and this young man had to go and make that call he said brother Foss perfect wasn't hurt that just a little bit bruised because it hit in the garbage. And they took it to the hospital, and there that came out in the paper. And I began to ponder that in my heart. God, what in the world comes over a generation that really don't care and can make them void of feeling in this area. A mother's role used to be making a home, loving the kids, scrubbing noses, Oh, my mother used to dig in my ears. Oh, I won't ever forget that. Oh, I, I, Mama! But hey, that's because she loved me. She loved me. Today, we do everything but make a home. Now I want to preach. Everything but make a home. 
wonder how many kids have never experienced a good, hot supper cooked, homemade biscuits or cornbread, peas or red beans, whatever kind of meat mama had, and there you sit down and you had family fellowship around the table and you enjoyed being at home. Today it's have it your way, Burger King or the Golden Arches, McDonald's or a TV dinner, not for the dime. No, no. Just do anything but make a home. So I, I begin to look at it. I wondered, oh God, what's happening to us? Really, what? What's going on inside of our heart? Lovers of pleasure. Oh, you don't believe that? Brother Cole, I preached a youth convention in Bakersfield, California. In the city auditorium, a man come up to me after it was over out of Brother Lee Davis's church. And he said, Brother Foss, I want to talk to you and ask you to pray. I haven't had the Holy Ghost too long. But he said, when my little boy was just four weeks old, my wife and I was so hopelessly lost in the drug world. We went downtown Los Angeles, and for $50 I sold my little boy, and I've never seen him since. He said, since I have come to God, every time I pray, I pray, God, you know where my little boy is. You see, we're in a pleasure-mad world. Hey, I don't have to get out of the realms of the Pentecostal church. All of us, preachers, saints, all of us love pleasure more than we've ever loved it in all of our lives. Affluent money do things we never thought of doing. Health clubs, golf clubs, Racquetball, handball, bass boats, shotguns, deer leases, deer rifles, everything you can think about. Pleasure. 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 Sunday school. I worked all week. So today, we're going to go to the lake. I apologize to you, young people, for the way my generation has reacted to you. Hey, I, I'm, you may not think so, but I'm going to preach to you tonight. Oh, God, help us to understand lovers of pleasure.
What makes us like that? How come we feel that way? Too busy? Too busy? What happens to a generation that don't know how to love? If a cripple comes to their family, Brother Cole, I watched Brother and Sister Gidrose, our Moses, when we needed to cross the Red Sea, I watched him with an invalid daughter, so dedicated, never left her at home, took her everywhere. Pray tell me, where is the difference? What makes the difference? What causes the difference? I was in Texas Children's Hospital this early part of this year, and I was called there, and I looked at a baby, one and a half pounds, premature, intravenous feeding through the scalp. There it was. And I go there quite often, and I'd never seen it before. But the baby was on a waterbed. Now hear me well. And Brother Cole, I could hear a muffled voice, that, that bed would slowly turn and the water would, you could hear it slosh just a little bit and it would turn back and I could hear a muffled sound, a voice coming through, something very muffled, but if you listen close, that muffled voice was saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And that incubator would tilt. The water would just trickle. I love you. I love you. I asked that woman, I said, what in the world is this? She said, that is the life support system for this child. It could not live without it. I said, what do you mean? Said, Brother Foss, it came out of a world of water. Instead, the sloshing of that water keeps it from going into shock. It thinks it's still with its mother. And that muffled voice is the voice of the real mother. And that child could hear that voice. 
before it was ever born. And that mother saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. And while I stood there, I was absolutely astonished when a woman walked in and that baby, you could hold it just in your hand. That woman walked up there and slipped on a little white jacket. They wouldn't let me touch the little thing. That woman reached up there and unsnapped the intravenous injection tubes. She picked up that little thing. No longer than this microphone. Laid it up on her shoulder and sat down in a rocking chair. I love you. I said, what in this world? How come she done that? And the supervisor told me, Reverend, that's the baby's mother. And she's got to do it two times a day. I said, what are you telling me? said, we can make water beds. We can record voices. We can give the baby medicine. But we cannot manufacture mother's love. And that child has got to have a mother that really cares. Stay with me now. My grandmother, my dad's mother, according to the records, they put it in the Houston Chronicle, big deal about Mother Foss. She was a midwife, and she delivered over 3,000 babies in Harris County. I remember when my sister's children were born. I remember when Brother Jack and Sister Evan McCall's children were born. And so many of the kids that I pastor now, I remember when they was born, my grandmother was there, and so many things that I, I wondered about in those days, and I looked at, and it was a Puritan time. They didn't discuss plain things like we talk today. I was buying my car license the other day, and a woman saw my name. She said, Foss. said, do you know a, a woman they used to call Mother Foss? I said, yeah, my grandmother said, well, she delivered me. I said, how about that? And so I begin to question. I ask a pediatrician, I said, what do you think causes this? All of the things that's happening, babies unwanted, and this was the story she told me. She said, you notice? The doctors are going back to letting nature take its course in childbirth. That was a day! That a woman could go to the hospital, go to sleep, and wake up a mother knew nothing about the pain knew nothing about the suffering 
knew nothing about travail. Knew nothing about labor. And here's what I want to talk to you about. These young people tonight, we pray, oh God, give us revival. What kind of revival do you want? What did we pray through? Are we sing down? Are we just put on a program? Hey, my friend, Beaumont, Texas is full of backsliders that nobody cares anything about. You say, what is it, Brother Foss? I believe that we come through a singing time. We come through when we had revivals and nothing in the world but singing. But, my friend, the Bible said that you are begotten by the Word. How many of these young people that we've lost tonight... We brought them in. Jerusalem is free. She is the mother of us all. Oh, but dear God, we prayed them through and left them alone. The church knew nothing about a burden. The church knew nothing about travail. Hey, friend, don't look at me like that. How long has it been since you heard real travail? In an apostolic church. Hey, we bring them down to the altar. And we GGG and glow, glow, glow. And we get their tin and give them all kind of stuff. And tell them you got it. But oh my God. How long has it been since you hurt somebody when they got down? Oh God. Revivals. Cheap revivals. Sister Nash, I want to thank you for telling me about it. A man on his dying bed. Fasting. Cheap revivals. Yeah, you would like to have Brother Foss. You would like to have some big name evangelist. You want somebody to come and preach. Drag your kids over hell, scare them into an altar, and you see them get some kind of a little experience, and then you go off and forget about it. Hey, mama! Do you care? Do you care? I want revival. Oh God, I pray every day. Let us experience revival. Not just at Bethel Tabernacle, God. Let Beaumont have revival. Let the Texas District have revival. Let the United Pentecostal Church have revival. But God, don't let it be cheap. Don't let us just do the thing and we can do what we want to do. But God, let us go into the jaws of death. Let our bowels yearn. 
pediatrician told me when a woman goes into the jaws of death and she experiences travail in birth, said there's something about it. You'll never separate her. But we're living in a church today, Brother Cole. We substitute parties. We substitute gatherings. We substitute everything in this world. Prayer meetings are a thing of the past. We don't care about our kids. We pray them through, put them in a baptistry. They go out the back door. They're forgot about. Nobody preaches to them. Nobody does anything for them. Nobody prays with them. Hey, friend, a baby has got to be cared for. Hallelujah. You want a hundred soul revival? Do you know what it's going to take to see a hundred people filled with the Holy Ghost in the apostolic church in Beaumont? You've got to have somebody that's not afraid to change diapers. You've got to have somebody that's not afraid to get up in the night and fix a bottle. You've got to have somebody that'll burp them babies, that'll take care of them. Oh, young people, I'm sorry. Let me talk to you young people. If you'll just forgive us. Hey, we're going to start helping you. We're not going to neglect you. Hey, we're going to do it. God's going to do something to us. I'm sorry that you've struggled by yourself. I take my little boys and I teach them when they was little. They get close to a heater. I'd say hot. Hot. Not long until they look at the heater and say, Hot. When they was old enough to stand alone, Brother Cole, I've stood them up. His mother stood him up and I've got out there and come to Daddy, darling. Come on. Come on. I watched them little shaky steps and I'd back up and he would wobble and come on, baby. Come on. Oh, we took pictures of it. But hey, the Pentecostal church prays our young people through. We send them out there in a world that has no respect. We send them out in a world that wants to damn their soul, that wants to give them drugs, that wants to damn everything that there is about them. And we've never taught them hot. Hot. Honey, forgive me. I promise you I'm going to preach to you. I promise you I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to let you be backslid and go to hell without somebody getting a hold of something for you. Oh! That mother would wake up as Solomon said, bring me a sword and we'll divide the child. never seen him before. Honey, it's real. We're going to teach you how to walk. We're not going to throw you out there by yourself. 
We're not going to walk off and leave you. Somebody's going to get under a burden. Somebody's going to pray. Somebody's going to get a hold of God. Hey, where's that one you prayed through last week? They haven't been back. Is it because somebody has thrown them out the window and they're in a curb tonight wallowing in the garbage because nobody... Nobody cared. I'm sorry, Brother Cole. I'm preaching to your church just like I'd preach to mine. Brother Stanley, your church is here. I'm preaching to you just like I preach at home. Oh, God, help us. We need somebody that's not afraid. That's not afraid that will tell God, if it brings revival, let me suffer. If it brings revival, let me pray. God, if it brings revival, let me worship. I noticed something while ago. I thought maybe it was just Houston. But I see it's here too. But oh God, help us. Divide the baby. Hey, that little old gal is a harlot. She's a slut. She ain't nothing. I knew she wasn't going to stay. You know the reason you can say that? Your backslidden heart. You're not the one that went into the jaws of death to bring her in. That's why you can watch her walk off and walk out into the lion's den. That's why you can see her fed to the beasts of the field. That's why you don't care if the buzzards come and pick the eyeballs out of the socket. It's because you don't know what burden is all about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, I got kids in this audience tonight. I already could walk down through here and put my hands on them. They're hanging on just by the skin of their teeth. We're so busy with our little world. We don't really care. The reason is we haven't done any suffering. Hey, you're a fortunate people. You know nothing about it. You don't know anything about what's going on. And if it was to revert back a few years to what it used to be, you wouldn't even think about staying in this. You're in it because it's easy. You're in it because it's all right. Brother Cole, I remember my old daddy going in and cleaning out a chicken house and he took whitewashed paint and painted the walls. My mother sipped down with chicken and pine straw and made beds for us to sleep on because that little town had to have a message preached to it. Oh, listen, friend, you don't understand what you've got. But I promise you, honey, not where God wants you. Not where you ought to be. I promise you, God's going to bring a revival that's going to strike the heart of this church. Beaumont is going to shake like a leaf in a hard wind. Somebody is going to care. But it's not going to come cheap. Hey, where's Susie? Well, she went back with the old crowd. Hey, where's Tom? 
He went back with the old crowd. Is it because nobody took Tom? Put their arm around him. Hey, buddy, when you come in tonight, come over to our house. We're going to have supper with you, Tom. There he is without anybody in his home full of the Holy Ghost. You're the only mom and dad he's really got. But you're so busy. You're so caught up with the things of this world. You don't have time for Tom. So you're going to put him in a garbage bag. And you're going to throw him to the garbage dump. And you're not going to care. Oh, I promise you, sir, there's something going to happen to the Pentecostal church. There's something going to happen to us. It's not going to be that way. God's going to raise up somebody that's going to look at him and say, Law, don't divide the child. Don't do it. Let it live. I, I, I care. Brother Cole, I have never preached a rally like this. And this is really not the direction I wanted to go with this. But I'm in it. Is it hard for you to understand? Hey, buddy, I watched you shout tonight. Stand up here. You're a good-looking sort of a guy. Any preacher would love to have a hundred like this in his church. Hey, I'm not, I'm not wrong. I know what I'm saying. But it didn't just happen. Amen. Amen. Oh, Was you raised in Pentecost? You've been in it most of your life? Four years? Was you pretty bad? Yes, I was. Very bad. Very bad? Very bad. Dirty? Dirty. Food with drugs any? Some. Some? Drank any? A lot. A lot? Oh. Hey. See what you fail to understand. Tom or Sue. Out there deep but just one drop of his blood. The same thing that made this one what he is. The same thing that give him the spirit he's got is going to give you the same spirit. You're going to have it. Oh, oh. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Honey, that same spirit is going to do for you what it's done for the rest of these. I promise you, the church is going to make a change. It's not going to remain the same. Give me ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Over the false, I won't revival. Do you really? I saw how bad you wanted it. Choir was singing. This young man danced out of the choir down here and back. Brother Cole stood up. About 15 or 20 stood up to worship. 
rest of you sit there and couldn't be moved. I thought Houston was the only ones like that. Hey, what's the matter with you? When the presence of God comes in this building. Well, Brother Foss, I'm not feeling anything. When that group sang here from Brother Teresa's church while ago, that young man on that bass stepped to that microphone. I could have jumped off of that platform. Us, a few stood up and began to worship. The rest of you sit there with your arms folded. I'm going back to Houston in a little bit. I'm not even going to spend the night in Beaumont. But I'm just telling you how I feel. Hey, if you're going to be a mama in this church, whenever there's one little breath of the Holy Ghost and there's somebody here lost, you ought to be on your feet. You ought to be pumping. You ought to be moving. You ought to be praying. You ought to be travailing. I don't feel it. You ought to ask God. Let me feel it. My God, let me feel it. Let me do something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I will respond. I'll reach them. I'll get to them. I'll reach out. I'll pray. I'll seek God. I'll beg God. I'll do it with my heart, God. You can sit down. Let me say something else here. I believe every pastor that's here. You say, Brother Foss, I don't believe in being a jumping jack. Pray tell me, what do you believe in? Usually, the people that respond to the Spirit in worship are the ones that pray the longest in the altar. They're the ones that stay in the prayer room. They're the ones that work with a new convert. They're the ones that do the things that needs to be done. Oh, Brother Cole, I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing to you. I'll come back and preach hell, fire, and damnation for you. But tonight I feel it in my heart. I need to preach. Somebody has got to get a burden. Somebody has got to get under the load. Somebody has got to learn what it's like to go into travail and say, I won't. I'll be a mother. Please don't pass me, Lord. I refuse. I refuse to believe that God has given His end time revival and move to the charismatics. He is not going to step over the church to give it to somebody that don't believe the truth. Uh-uh. Whatever He's got is going to come to us. And I'm going to stay here till I get it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Oh, that we had 500 Elijahs, every one of them on their caramel, and every one of them with their faith, then we'd see revival. No, 
Not really. He said, I sought for one man. He's looking at you tonight. There's enough backsliders in Beaumont that if we prayed them all through, every church in this city would double in attendance. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Well, just divide them. Uh uh. Uh uh. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm sorry, young people, my generation. Maybe we did fail. But if you'll help us, you'll bear with us, you're going to see a difference in the Pentecostal church. God's going to visit us with a mighty move of His Spirit like we've never seen before. It's coming. It's coming. I don't care how black you've been. I don't care how dirty you've been. We're going to love you anyhow. Hallelujah. Mama. Hey, Mama. You care? alcoholic been on a drunk for six weeks his wife was the secretary of our church called me to come to their house have supper with them on Saturday night I looked out the back door there was a wheelbarrow and it was full of whiskey bottles and he was just coming off of this long protracted drunk Sister Lita May was such a tremendous Christian teacher in the high school beautiful woman I never will forget sitting down at the table that night when it was over he said I want to talk to you I said alright we went into the bedroom Almost incoherent. They're going to burn me. said, you won't let them burn me, will you? No. No, I really won't. I thought he was just talking. Next morning, Sunday school. Youth service Sunday night. He began to disturb service and his wife got him and they left. Music had just started playing. Man walked in the back door. His name was Jack Hines. When he walked in, I looked at him. Everybody's head was bowed. He walked up to where I was. He said three words. He killed her. 
their 13-year-old girl was still in the church. Sister Lena May's mother and daddy were still there. When Mr. Hines went to them, her dad was a clerk of the court in that district. Very influential man. That little 13-year-old girl run to the pulpit, throw her arms around me, Brother Foss, my mama. I don't have a daddy. Never have had. And now my mama's gone. I can't really say that bitterness didn't rise up in my heart for a moment. Next day, Burtis Matlock called me. He was the high sheriff in our county. And he said, Brother Foss, can you come and quieten him down? He said, I got a mob here at the jail. And he said, they would really like to take him and kill him on the spot. He tantalizes them. I said, well, I'll do what I can. I walked into that cell. He locked the door behind me. And I watched this man sit down and cross his feet, Indian fashion. I began to talk to him. I said, man, they're out there and they want to kill you. Then I knew what he meant. You won't let them burn me. You won't let them burn me. I said, look. Be careful. Be careful. He said, look. I got a battle to fight. I'll fight it my way. You do what you want to. I'll fight it my way. I got up and walked out. Because of the tremendous pressure, they pushed that case to the court through the grand jury, brought him to trial in two weeks. It was in the month of February. Judge Moore was, James Moore was the district judge, a friend of mine. He knew that I was somewhat connected with it. And he called me and said, Brother Foss, I'd like for you to sit at the bar with me. I said, all right. And I never will forget it. He placed a chair up there behind that big desk. I was seated there, and when he come in, the bailiff hit on the door, and something made everybody stand. That courtroom was packed. They had constables all over the place. They searched everybody as they came in. When that judge come in, hit that gavel on that desk, he sat down, he spoke to me, and I'm glad you're here with me. They brought that man in, handcuffed, set him down in front of the judgment bar, inside the little circle. His court-appointed lawyers was there. All of a sudden, a quietness come over the room. And I looked coming in the back door, little old woman, 82 years old, dressed in black with a little granny hat on, sleeves down to her wrist, 
dress down to the floor. I knew her. I had preached to her. Full of the Holy Ghost. Loved God. Loved Him with all of her heart. Here come the mother. As that quietness come over that room, I watched that little mother walk down that aisle. She walked up to where that judge was, and that judge looked at me and said, Who is this? I said, Judge Moore. That's the mother. He stood up, leaned over the bar. He said, Mother, what can I do for you? She said, Would you let me sit by my baby today? You see, he's my baby. That judge said, Sure. While everybody else wanted to kill him, the real mother said, Can I sit by him? Brother Cole, she walked over there. The man never even changed expressions. She leaned over him, put her arm around him, and she kissed him on the forehead. I could hear her say it from where I was sitting. Baby, I love you. I never yet am ceased to be amazed the love of that mother. Mother, you got kids that are standing before the bar being judged tonight. Some of them is just a step away. You're not going to let them burn them, are you? Oh, Brother Foss, I can't go to where they are. You really loved them, you could. Somebody's going to have to go. Somebody needs to walk up to the judge. It's my baby. It's my baby. Church, I don't know how you feel about it. But you're not going dancing in to glory. With blood all over your hands. Your fingerprints on a paper bag. Oh, but Brother Foss, they're nothing. Hey, I don't care where they come from. I don't care how dirty they are. They mean as much in the eyes of God as the mayor of this city. Or anybody else. Mama, do you care? Let me say it again, honey. I'm sorry. We're not going to fail you. It's going to be all right. 
You're going to pray. There's going to be somebody to pray with you. We're going to help you learn to walk. Hey, I feel the presence of God in this place. I know it's time for me to quit. I done told you I was going to. Nah. Oh, God. Mother, do you care? When Zion plays. When Zion plays. When Zion parties. When Zion has socials. When Zion has picnics. Uh uh. I'm sorry, Zion. I'm sorry, Mother. That's not the way it read. Neither did the disciples say, Teach us to play. Neither did they say, Teach us to preach. They simply said, Teach us to pray. Teach us to praise. Zion, when you travail, when you travail, how long has this church been carrying a revival in her womb? Nobody cares. Therefore, our babies are not born. Them that are born are born in a stillbirth. Oh, but let me tell you, honey, I don't care what it's like. Daddy's going to love you. Mama's going to love you. Mama's going to take you in her arms. And she's going to tell you, I love you. 